Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Goldmouth Ramble podcast, the weekly football show brought to you by myself and my two co-hosts, which you all know by now. Firstly, Mr. Jacob Barnes. Jake, how are you on this fine day? Hello. Good, thank you. Just got back from playing some football, which is oh, very appropriate. Cheeky kick around. Mm. A little bit of heads and volleys. Did you win? Uh, I didn't lose. So... <laughs> Is that? So that's a bit of a non-answer. Uh, <laughs> joining uh, me and Jake, uh, of course, is Reese. Reese, Mr. Bowen Jones. How are you? Also very good, thank you. I've not played football today, um, but I've just had a lovely, relaxing, chill day. It's been very nice. It's all right for you, teachers, isn't it? In the summer months, this yeah, August, it's pretty chill. Although I am facing the barrel of only a week to go before I have to be back in school. Oh, that's a that's a huge mental. Oh, it's yeah. I'm not looking forward to it at all. No. Well, Godspeed to you and every other member of the teaching profession (laughs) because it's going to be another year of chaos. But I'm not really excited for it at all. But we'll we'll we did it last time. We'll do it again. It's all fine. We'll go again. Exactly. The uh, the Norwich mentality. Um, on the lighter note, then school, the imminent uh, arrival of school again in Reese's life. Um, we are here to give you uh, some more rambling about football, which is um, which is what you you come here for. Um, to, in today's show, we're going to review um, all of the matches from game week two. There were some good games that we need to talk about, and um, we're going to big out. Uh, give you our biggest storylines that we took away from the, that, the last week, last seven days of football. Uh, we're going to answer a few questions from yourselves. Um, some people have sent us in. If you want to send us questions in in the future, please do uh, on our Twitter at gr underscore pod. Just uh, either drop us a tweet or DM us on there. That's fine. Or send us an email at goldmathramblepod at gmail.com. Um, so please do get in touch in the future if you want to. But yeah, so we've got some questions from a couple of you. Um, and then... Um, we're going to dive into our previews, of course, of um, of game week three fixtures, and Reese is going to finish off as is standard these days. Now we've established yeah. a bit of a pattern with a bit of fantasy football action. Reese's fantasy corner. Is that what the official title is now? Working, yeah, working for us. Okay, I might call it something different <laughs> every week, just for a joke. Hello. Mix it up. <laughs> um. So storylines from game week one. Um. I'm interested, Jake. I'm going to come to you first, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, Always. Because I haven't heard... Well, I know the topic you're going to talk about, which you're going to talk to us about, Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm very interested to hear about because I watched them on the late kickoff on Saturday against Watford, and they were stunning. Mm. I was impressed, um, yeah. So I will hand it over to you to tell us about Brighton and why they have impressed you so. Yeah, um, likewise, I watched them at the weekend um, and was very impressed. And it just got me thinking about, obviously, at the start of the season, episode one, I think we all um, wrote Brighton off a little bit. We did. Yeah, a tiny bit. And we were wrong so far, as we seem to be quite a lot, which is always good (laughs) for our credibility. Yeah. yeah, no, to be fair, I think we, we're we not the only ones who will have written Brighton off as a, a team that's going to struggle this season. I think everyone <clears throat> was probably of that opinion. Um, I would like to say that I had them finishing 14th, which yeah, okay. is comfortably safe. Yeah, fair possibly. Okay, Nick was right. We were wrong. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, no, they, they've started off really well. I know it's only two games in the season, but um, looking looking really impressive. And I think it, it kind of feels like everything's possibly coming together for them now. I know that we, um, no one would dispute that they've always had a kind of um, footballing philosophy at Brighton, under, under Potter especially. Um, but the results haven't really been there all the time, the consistency, but who knows, maybe this is their year. Um, I mean, the first game to be losing to Burnley is is never an easy position to be in. We know what Burnley are like. They will cling on to that as much as they can and, and they turn that result around, which is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously to, to really quite dominate a, a Watford team that will have been quite buoyant from the first game of the season, the win against Aston Villa. Um, they they were brilliant against Watford, absolutely brilliant. Um, really solid at the back, and yeah, basically not so much a story, but a uh, amusing, if you will, uh, as to whether Brighton could actually be a bit of a surprise this season and step it up a gear and maybe put the relegation fights of previous seasons behind them. So I had a little look through the. I was I was listening to Potter talking after the game. Um, about the, the players that he's still got to come back from injury and stuff. And it, it is a decent little squad they've got, really. I mean, they've got Sanchez in goal, who kept uh, 10 clean sheets last season, which is pretty decent for a Brighton side that, that did struggle in the end. Um, in defence, obviously Shane Duffy uh, had a brilliant game at the weekend and has, has really kind of fought his way back into this Brighton side. Lewis Dunk, who's been very consistent for a number of years now. Mm. And then obviously Tariq Lamptey, who's coming back from injury soon, hopefully. Had a fantastic season last season, really kind of... Yeah, breakout season. Break, yeah, definitely a breakout season last season. So defensively, very solid. In midfield, a player that we'll talk about in a little while when I get to my team of the week, spoiler alert. Um, Eve Basuma was he unbelievable. Was, he looks yeah. brilliant, yeah. Literally. So, Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, so dynamic in the middle of the park and the new signing Mwepu looks good uh, McAllister March obviously Adam Lallana a bit of a veteran now but he's been pretty instrumental in the first two games that they've had if he can stay fit then that's a, a very very strong midfield lineup. Pascal but Gross as well as somebody Pascal Gross like yeah yeah as well whenever yeah. Chin plays so um, he uses he picks his pass and uses possession so well whenever mm. I've seen him play um, and even up top, to be fair, I know Brighton don't score a hell of a lot of goals, but you can always rely on Neil Mopé to get 10 maybe in a season. I think he got 10 last season and 8 the season before, so he's, you know, he's a solid striker. Um, Connolly looked really good as well. He looked really good against Watford. And they've also got Danny Welbeck to return, which... It's that um, I've forgotten that Danny Welbeck was still a thing. Yeah, you know, he, again... His best years are probably behind him, let's be honest. But as a squad player that you can bring on in a game or, or in the, the games against the bigger teams, that bit of experience, I think he's, he's quite a crucial player in that squad, really, in that respect. Um, and as I said, you know, on top of that, Darren Potter's got a... You know what he's going to... He's all about. You know, he, he knows his side. He's got his style. He's got his tactic. And I think, potentially... As I say, Brighton could be a bit of a surprise this season. You know, they look really efficient in these first two games. 
they look more determined to, to kind of grind out the wins when they need to and stuff like that. Whereas I think in previous years they may have rolled over a little bit. That doesn't seem to be happening this year so far. So as I say, not much of a story yet, but um, come the end of the season, if they finish top 10, maybe, who knows? Mm. Just uh, remember it was me who said it first. Glory <laughs> on the Brighton bandwagon. Yeah, absolutely. Two games in. Well, they they're they're so easy. They're so easy on the eye, and mm. Potter's got mm. them playing such good football. And I know they've played Burnley and Watford so far. Um, Big which, games though for a team like yeah, Brighton. For, but say like to establish themselves as better than mm. in inverted commas those we expect to be relegation fodder. Um, yeah, they they're sort of. It straight out the out the gate, they put a gap between themselves and those sort of teams, and yeah. they've averaged sixty point five percent possession in both those games over the two games, which is um, they're just completely it says it all. Them. Yeah. Um, there there is so the good. caveat of for me, the fact they've played Burnley and Watford though. Yeah, to a similar way where everyone was losing their mind about, as I'll get onto in a minute about Norwich being not fit for the Premier League. We've played Liverpool and Man City, yeah, exactly. like. Yeah, you, pinch of salt time, but yeah, ten. You have to give it sort of two, a couple of months, six weeks to sort of get a real feel yeah. of where teams are. Brighton as well, of course, they're on the cusp. I think of signing um, Cucurella from Hetafe. Mm-hmm. Um, he can play sort of wide winger or come sliding at left back. He I think he's played for Spain a couple of times. I think he mm. was in there. Um, he was in their Euro twenty 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 one whatever it was actually officially called in the end. Um, yeah. squad. Um, so I think it looks like they're getting him in. So I th- I think Brighton and Brighton fans and everybody involved with the club has absolutely no reason not to look at saying, well, yeah, why can't we mix it up amongst those teams that we're expecting to be sort of outside the Europe, like European spots, maybe even sneak seventh, like Villa, West Ham, yeah. those sort of mm. teams. I'd love to just see Brighton get like a, a 10th place yeah. finish or something. Do you know what I mean? Just a, a decent... I mean, we'll get onto this again, I'm sure, with the Norwich conversation. But it is it is good to see teams making that progress and stepping up. Yeah, but, but. yeah, it's good. I'm excited for them. Um, hmm. I say I like I like them. I like I like the way they play football. I like. I think they've got a sort of fairly good club ethos. I know that their owners are fairly wealthy, so they have got money to throw about at at, at building a squad. But they're not. Um, they seem to use it well. So yeah, they um, do. I like I like what they've got built, what Potter's got uh, building over there, and um, a good <laughs> to put a slight dampener on it for Brighton fans. A good season, um, that could be he could be getting um sniped off somewhere else. I think possibly mm-hmm. he's that he feels like that sort of manager where the way that football is going, he his sort of get a game plan is built for in inverted commas modern football. Well, there's rumours of Tottenham at first. Not was, was he, he on was, the short list or the long list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so well done, Brighton, and long may it continue. Um, Reese, what is your storyline from game week one? Yeah. Uh, two, even. Game week two, yeah. Um, so I think we talked about it a lot last week, which was how Arsenal are in complete disarray. Um, yes. And I, th- I don't want to talk about Arsenal again because they are, everyone knows that they are currently in a bad way. But I think it's worth looking at the teams on the outside of the quote-unquote big six because I think it's fair to say that Arsenal maybe aren't 
part of that big six anymore. What do you mean? And I, They're going to the European Super League. <laughs> <on> the Conference <laughs> League, whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, mate. Um, I understand the big six is not about kind of the always finishing the top six. It's about the history and the financials they've got and all that kind of stuff. I understand that. But Arsenal haven't finished in the top four since 2016. They've been eighth the last two seasons in a row. Their time in the top six has very much vanished. Um, and I think it's now about in looking at the teams who are in line to replace them. So I've looked at a few teams where I think are in with the best cho- uh, kind of best chance to become the next, the sixth team in the, the big six. Um, them. Yeah. yeah, so I think that the team that is theirs to lose for me is probably Leicester because they've finished fifth in the last two seasons. They won the league more recently than Arsenal have, mm. obviously. Um, Leicester have got really, really kind of... Um, committed owners where they're expanding the stadium very very soon they're consistent in terms of you know what to get with Leicester they are going to win games and kind of get kind of enough points to do really really well um I think they are they need to look in kind of more long term and this year and maybe next year to replace someone like Jamie Vardy who is not getting any younger and he's looked so far this year I know he scored in the first game kind of the season but he hasn't looked like the Vardy we're used to seeing this year. But apart from that, Leicester, are, they're a good side and they will be up and around the top six in the season like they have been for the last two years. Um, So there is, it's their spot to kind of lose. However, if you look at the team that smashed them so comprehensively yesterday at the time of recording, which is West Ham. West Ham were good. I sim- <laughs> Yeah, I simply good. refuse to believe that West Ham are a fun team to watch right now, especially a David Moyes West Ham team. <laughs> the mo- like I, I, I can't believe that we're here like f- f- a few years after his absolute shambles oh, of a, a period in uh, in Sociedad in Spain. Exactly. In Sociedad, um, he, he drove Man U into the ground. Like, and then went to Sunderland for a year, got them yeah. relegated after Sociedad. And I know. Now, here we are. It's the Moisesons. The Moisesons is, is bizarre. <laughs> but, I mean, he's got them playing some excellent football. Um, and... You know, I can't believe that it's. I'm watching it, but I'm enjoying watching them play. Like they've got a really good side with with players like Antonio, uh, who is having already two great first games of the season. Yeah. You've got Ben Rama, who's looking like every bit of the player they signed last year. They've got Jared Bowen. They've got Susek and Rice in midfield, which is a very very impressive centre midfield duo. Um, they've got Rice. Sorry, Rice looks a lot more dynamic than he has mm. done in past years. He's it stood out in the Leicester game last uh, on Monday night for me. Yeah, he was really good carrying the ball forward, which is not something I usually associate with him. No, um, me too. But it I... might be that there was space left by Perez getting sent off, but yeah, maybe it was something I picked up. He was doing a lot more yesterday. Well, I think to nick a phrase from the NFL, Rice might be in a kind of what we call a contract season, where he's because yeah. he's looking to go to Champions League football, and I think he's going to play this year as look what That's I can offer. Mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they are missing maybe a top-level centre-back. I know there are strong rumours that they're going to sign Zuma before the end of the transfer mm. window this week. And I, I rate Zuma as a Chelsea fan. I think he's a good centre-back, but he's not kind of the top-end centre-back that you're gonna, that's going to take you up to the next level. Like I know it's a big comparison, but it's not like a Van Dyke signing. Um, but West Ham are going to be a major problem for everyone they, they play against this year. I think this team is very, very good, and they are going to take some beating. So they are in for a very, very big push towards, you know, the top six. Like last year, they were in fourth place for the vast majority of the season, just got pushed out of it at the end. 
Um, but then uh, and further behind them, you've got Everton, who they always finish 10th. Like famously, <laughs> they always finish 10th. And they're just, they are a mediocre side. However, it's worth pointing out that Benitez has them playing better than I think I expected. They have a top elite level strike of me in Cavaloon up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are going to cause teams issues again this year because their whole game plan is just get the ball into the box and see what happens. And I think that is paying off. Maybe they're maybe a bit defensively suspect. Like Michael Keane is not the defender. Two mistakes in two weeks for him. Yeah, he's he had a really rough start in the year. But Everton will be in kind of, they'll be really pushing for the Europa League this year, I think. Definitely. Um, and then on the even further outside of that um, is probably, I think Villa might be the next team up after those three. Because obviously they had a great season last year. And I'm curious to see how much the Grealish kind of impact is on their side. Whether they can kind of continue and try and get better from last year without their kind of star man. But they're a good side. Dean Smith's got them playing very good football. They're like West Ham going to cause teams issues this year. They've got Danny Ings hit, hit, the, hit the ground running this year. Um, so I think, and I also rely, I can rely on Villa to get a result more than I can rely on Arsenal to get a result. So, you know, from that level, Villa should be pushing on to ahead of where Arsenal are. Um, so yeah, those four, I think, are in line for a big push this year and the next couple of years to usurp Arsenal to be the new part of the big six. And it would be nice to get some fresh faces in that so-called elite of the Premier League. I wanted to make a joke just then about you not including Spurs in that list, but I couldn't find a very a good way We're to do it. We're already in the six. No, well, no, they're already no. in Are you though? I did think about that. But that's I think, the line I was going down. But I, I think in fairness, you know, it. they got to the Champions League final like what, two years ago? Yeah. Like, it's they, in jest. We just had know. one bad season. I know they've not won, the, won a title, won a, a trophy for what, like seven, like 13, 14 years or that? But they're still always around the top five, you know? Mm. So and they've all, they've all, well, I think aside from Leicester, um, the teams you've mentioned there have all shown real, I know again, only two weeks into the season, but have already shown that they, uh, they mean business this year. Yep. Even though, yeah, Villa got beaten on the first week, but bounced back this week. And yeah, West Ham and um, West Ham look great. But anyway, um, my storyline of the week. Um, you may have seen... Nothing happened, did it, Nick? Oh. <laughs> I'm loath to sort of bring it up, but get at the same time, ready, I really Let's want get on the to. Line. Because <laughs> TalkSport exists for, like, clickbait radio. Like, that is that is what they do. And they got their clicks um, from me and from a lot of other people um, when they tweeted out a little video that um, one of their... Um, Radio host Alex Crook, um, Crook by, by name, Crook by nature, <laughs> yes, stealing a living <laughs> as a football pundit, apparently. Um, him and Jamie Har- O'Hara, I don't know if it was O'Hara on the show with him, um, but O'Hara got involved in the tweet storm afterwards. Um, and essentially, right, Norwich was shit against Man City, and that is absolutely <laughs> fine, and like you. C- as a Norwich fan, as a fan of any, as any football fan, like you can take criticism of your team when it's deserved. Like that comes with the territory, especially when you're a team like Norwich in the Premier League, because it happens more often than not. But it was a few of the lines that were 
uttered in in that bit that absolutely got under my skin and i thought we're just so if you're going to put those sort of accusations at any club in english football like norwich should be at the absolute bottom of your list um to be doing so i'm going to read out a few lines um from them <laughs> um and just give my sort of snap reaction to them um you'll see my big snap reaction on uh, on from the tweet i put out on our on our Twitter, that got more likes which a lot than of people, their tweet, by the way. It did, yeah. A lot of people agreed. Well, I assume that means a lot of people agreed with me. Although we did get one DM calling me an absolute. What did he call? He said I was a bit yes, very thick. Yeah, was, yeah which, <laughs> but which think, is fair enough. But they don't know me, so. But hate mail is a sign that you've you've made it. You know, like is that it? Are we official now? I think mm-hmm. so. Excellent. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, Alex Crook said. Um, Norwich are a club that's quite happy to yo-yo between the Premier League and the Championship. Are their fans okay with that? Um, to a large extent, yes. Um, I don't think you'll find any Norwich fan that is under any delusion that we should be a top 10 Premier League team year in, year out. Um, I don't think you'll find any Norwich fan that even think we should be a top 15 Premier League team year in, and year out. We know where we are um, because we are a self-funded club that puts... Um, emphasis on on the community feel of the club um so it's not owned by um somebody that's coming from another country and bought it off and taking it off delia's hands and is running it as a as like a like a money-making business we're not there to splash 50 million pounds on players it's uh it's f- fan owned as delia and her husband michael win jones are both huge norwich fans have been all their lives um and that's really important to what i think happens at norwich um so to answer his point of are we okay with bouncing around? Well, yeah, because that's what we know we are. We've got no delusions of grandeur, but we also know that we're better than championship table mediocrity. Like we know we fit in between those two, in just between those two places, and that's we're happy with that. Um, he also then accused just Stuart Weber of saying that we're happy to be a top twenty four club. Um, when he when he joined four years ago, he said that he wanted to be Norwich to be a top twenty six club. So, getting into the playoffs, going into the Premier League, if we get relegated, fine. We've got a back, we've got a contingency plan to go back up. It's fine. We've done that for three for three years whilst him and Farker have been here. But then this summer, the mentality changed, and it was, we're going to go, and this is it. We've got actual money that we can spend now, which we haven't had in in the past, which is our point. I'll get to in a second. Um. And we're going to go for it. And the ambition now is to cement ourselves as a top 20 club. If we get relegated again at some point, either this season or next season or the season after, because guess what? No matter how much money you spend, your survival is not guaranteed if you're a team hmm. like Norwich. Um, we've got a contingency plan. Contingency plan. It'll work. But the aim now is we've done three years of bouncing. We might still bounce. That's fine. But tw- top 20. He also then started saying he brought up la- our what we spent a year ago, uh, two years ago, we were in the Premier League as a justification for saying that we don't spend any money and like don't try in the Premier League. We spent a million pounds two years ago, which when you say that out loud sounds absolutely stupid. (laughs) Um, But bearing in mind 12 months before we were, James Madison got injured on the last, um, when we finished mid-table in the championship and he, Madison was sold to Leicester that summer. We've, Madison, we got pumped 5-0, I think it was, away at Sheffield Wednesday on the last day of the season. Uh, I was there in the crowd. It was horrific. Um, and we were honestly a James Madison injury away from absolute 
like the club might not even exist anymore. <laughs> um, and he got injured. He got and he was there on crutches on the pitch at the end on the end of the game in front of the fans, and you could just feel it in the crowd because everybody knew that Madison was going to go that summer to wherever he was going to go, and we knew that he was going to bring in twenty to thirty million pounds. If we didn't get that money from a Madison sale that summer, Norwich City might not exist anymore. Mm. And that is not an exaggeration to say as such. Um, so that happened. So then obviously when we got unexpectedly promoted the year later, we haven't got a billion pounds to like... People are under this misinf- misinformed thing that when you get promoted to the Premier League, you suddenly get a, a pot of 200 million pounds to go out and spend. It literally doesn't work like that. But anyway, so they did that. But anyway, so we didn't spend any money two, any money two years ago. That's fine. But guess what? This summer, we've spent fifty-four million pounds, which is the seventh most in the Premier League. It's more than Liverpool. It's more than Spurs. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know where the accusation of we're not giving it a good go is coming from. To the same extent, they were like, he said, we're trying signing players from the Championship. What are you trying to do? So we signed Angus Gunn, who's played in the Premier League. He's got like thirty Premier League appearances. Old, admittedly. He was in goal for the 9-0 defeat to Leicester for Southampton, but he's a pro- he's played in the Premier League. We signed Rashika, who's scored 30 goals in the Bundesliga in three seasons. We signed Sargent, who's played uh, played in the Bundesliga for a couple of seasons as well. We signed Billy Gilmore on loan. We signed Pierre Le Malou from uh, League One from the French Premier League. We've signed uh, Christos Scholis, who um, and Norwich beat Bournemouth 6-0 in the in the in the uh, Carabao Cup uh, this midweek. And he's you know, on his debut, got two goals and two assists, and he's 19 years old. And he was being scouted by Barcelona, Man United, and Bo- and Dortmund last summer. Um, so that gives you a kind of um idea of how good he is. And Fark Farker is one for keeping youngsters' feet on the ground very much so. And he came out this week and said Jolis could has got all the tools to go and be a hundred million pound player one day. Mm. So that's how much and how highly they think of Jolis. Um, so I don't understand this accusation that we're signing championship players either. But the one line that absolutely infuriated me was that he accused Norwich of cheating the system and <laughs> lacking sporting integrity. Um, for starters, can we? Why are we pretending that the Premier League is like the pinnacle of sporting integrity? <laughs> like, it's yeah. not. Like, only a few months removed from the Super League fiasco. Yeah, like, and we know, like, uh, me and you, Reese, as big NFL fans, the NFL has this, and all the American sports, really, to a less greater or lesser extent, have like a salary cap system in place where every team in the league has an absolute maximum amount of money that they can spend on wages every every year. Not like, and and that makes it on paper, even though like people can move money around and obviously the better teams attract the better players and for less money, et cetera, et cetera. But in paper, that creates a more sort of balanced level playing field. Mm-hmm. Nobody or should be under any illusion that the Premier League is a, a level playing field and therefore a bastion of sporting integrity because it's mm-hmm. just simply not. Um, and then to, a, 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 and to sort of, insinuate that Norwich and I I called out Man City in the tweet I put and to insinuate that Norwich of all teams that are operate within their budget um have a business plan and have done for that since Daniel Farker and Stuart Weber have been in the building a very clear business plan of we find some absolute gems in our youth system 
Daniel Farker will train them up and um, sell them on for an absolute fortune profit of profit in the summer uh, in, a, in a couple of years' time. We did that with Bren Diaz, bought him for one and a half million, sold him for 35 million. Did that with Godfrey, got him for like 500 grand from York, I think, sold him for 30 million. Did that with Lewis, sold him to Newcastle. Arons will go at some point, probably. Cantwell will go at some point, probably. Jolis, if he fulfills his potential that as Norwich think he's got, he'll go, the same will happen to him at some point. That's what Norwich do compared to Man City, who have spent 100 million quid on Jack Grealish this 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 month which is four times what Delia's net worth is by the way like if you want to get if you want to get a sort of um an idea of what the diff the differing sort of markets these clubs are shopping in they spent four times Delia's entire net worth on one player um and Man City they they'd spend all that money and then play it to teams like Aston Villa and Norwich get their best best players taken and then they still operate at a loss every season and you're telling me that Norwich are the villains and are the ones acting without sporting integrity and cheating the system? Do me a favour. Mm. Um, so, honestly, when I watched that video the first time, I nearly threw my phone at the wall. Um, but uh, that's fine. Norwich always seem to have this sort of unfavourable... Um, unfavourable... Uh, also, national journalists sort of have to have have seem to have this unfavorable view on Norwich. I don't know it's because we're a bit unfashionable and sort of a club sort of stuck out in the sticks that nobody really cares about unless you're a Norwich fan. Um, maybe it's that, but um, I think Norwich, and I say this as a Norwich fan, but I think I mean this gen, I just mean this genuinely as well. When I say Norwich are probably in the top five easily, but best run clubs in the country right now, and I don't even think that's really up for debate. Um, so to insinuate that, yeah, that they're lacking in sporting integrity and cheating the system really did not sit right with me. I would, I'd welcome any, any points you have on the matter. Cause obviously I've ranted about it there for about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but think, yeah, go on. I was going to say, yeah, I think what, what he was trying to say, what he said very badly was that I think he wanted he wants Norwich to kind of be the side that gets up to the Premier League and then stays there, you know, rather than mm. yo-yoing between the two. I think that's what he did. Well, that's what he was aiming for, but then he wildly missed base by kind of going down the sporting integrity route, which seems to me like he was talking himself think, into a corner. And like, was, arguably, you know. I think, as I just said, Norwich, I don't want to... <sighs> I don't know what the ins and outs of how all the football clubs in the Premier League operate money-wise and whether they all work within their budget. But I know Norwich do work within their own, with what they can afford, because they are self-funded. They don't have an owner pumping millions of pounds into it every every season. Mm. So are Norwich, therefore, by definition, not the epitome of sporting integrity because they are doing what they can, literally, with what they have, rather than operating a, a loss of... Well, 1.4 billion if you're Barcelona and mm. millions and millions if you're Man City and many of the other huge clubs. I don't know. Mm. I think there's a... But yeah, this whole... Anyway, my main point as well is that the Premier League is an absolute shambles of a league and the sooner <laughs> they bring in a salary cap, the better. But that's a discussion for a different day. Um, yeah, I will move on from um, my rantings um, because we, I could breathe, do, Nick, it, do it all night. Yeah, what do I really <laughs> think? Yeah, tell me how you really feel. Um... Right, to finish off um, all the news and stories from game week two, Jake, hit us with your team of the week. My pleasure. Um, 
So we had quite a lot of competition for places this week. Um, so I've got a few honourable mentions as well, um, which I'll read out as we get to their positions. So in goal, Ilan Melier for Leeds. Um, may have conceded two goals, but if it wasn't for him, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin would have had about four goals that game and Leeds would definitely have lost. Um, so he was my goalkeeper of the week this week. At right back, I, this is an, an honourable mention Honorable mention to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I think we all said after the Liverpool game looked well and truly back to his best, yeah. hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but he was beaten to this position by Rhys James, who absolutely ran the show against Arsenal. A goal and an assist. Rhys James couldn't leave him out of the team. Did you get the signing vote on that, Reese? I can't remember. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think Reese James was legitimately one of the stars of the yeah. week across the league. So he was excellent. I agree. I agree. Big rushing there. Um, at centre back, I've already mentioned him earlier on when I talked about Brighton, but Shane Duffy, a goal, dominant display. Um, and I think the, the story of him coming back to the club and, and winning back his place and, and the kind of the um, winning back the fans and everything is, is a big story as well. So well done to Jane Duffy. Really happy to see him do well this weekend. Alongside him at centre-back, Tyro Mings. Um, played a part in both goals for Villa, to be fair. Flicked on for Ings's uh, unreal finish, by the way. I wish we could show that on the podcast, but um, yeah, brilliant <laughs> assist really well that. Film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and he also won the penalty as well, technically, um, heading, heading the ball for the, for the handball for the penalty. So, and a clean sheet, obviously. So well done, Tyra Mings. Very good performance there. At left back, uh, I hope I say this right, Costas Simicas mm-hmm. from Liverpool. Um, Shimikas. Shimikas. All right, mate. sorry. Um, oh, I know all about Greek football now. We've got two of them. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's building brilliantly for uh, Andy Robertson. He um, has looked really good. I really think it's, it's harsh that Robertson is going to come straight back. Oh yeah, he's going to take his place straight away. I know, but, but it just signed a new uh, contract this week as well, didn't he? Andy Robertson. He did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Shimikas, good assist. Um and showing how valuable a squad player he will be, you know he's. I think when a player like Andy Robertson is missing, you're always going to worry. But I think Liverpool fans are probably a lot calmer now because of Costa. <clears throat> um, into the midfield, it was very competitive in midfield this week. Um, I went for Damari Gray at right wing. Uh. He got a goal against Leeds. Rampant display caused him all kinds of problems, Leeds. And could well be the bargain of the season. Like, was it 1.5 million? 2.5, I think it was. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, it was crazy. a very small fee. Crazy money. Um, yeah, you don't sign anyone for that much anymore. But no. yeah, he looked really, really good. Um, well done, Damari Gray. Um, could easily have been Ben Rama, who we talked about earlier as well. He was fantastic against uh, Leicester last night, but we also can't have too many West Ham players in because we could have put everyone in from Leicester <laughs> uh, after last night. 
Um, in the middle of the park, again, a player that I spoke about earlier, Eve Basuma, one of the performers of the weekend uh, for the Brighton man. He literally won everything in the park and got an, uh, an assist as well. So, um, and he was really, sat on really my fun. fantasy bench as well. Mine too. Oh, yeah. good for, good for. <laughs> he, yeah, he looks brilliant. I think I've seen a lot of people say this, but if Brighton keep him by this time next week, that's going to be huge for them because he's instrumental. Engine, engine room player, isn't he? Just yeah. I, I fully expect him to be, I think, for, teams I think to do, for a team like Brighton to sell somebody like that at this point would be catastrophic. Yeah, Whether he's here this time next year, I would question I very much. Yeah. No. Uh, alongside him, another brilliant performance uh, in the middle of the park. Pablo Fornell, absolutely dynamic display. Everything that West Ham did went through him. He got a brilliant goal to start it all off as well. Um, Honourable mention for Jordan Henderson, who mm-hmm. was brilliant in the middle of the park for Liverpool against Burnley. Great to see him back uh, leading the team there. And he was literally in the team for us until last night. But mm-hmm. yeah. so he's very well. Uh, and then, a bit of a weird one, but Gabriel Jesus is on the left-hand side for us because Pep put him there at the weekend. And he, he did. Absolutely. Destroyed Norwich. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Um, yeah, he two assists. Absolutely ran Norwich ragged. Um, sorry, Nick. Uh, but yeah, as, as Pep clearly said in the interview, he's very happy that um, he's got Jesus, which is a different story to what it seemed like last month, but I don't believe him. Oh no, no, maybe not. But no, brilliant performance from. He's from really Jesus. good. I promise, somebody come and buy him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to lose him, but if you bid, then fair enough. Um, Jesus was my star of the weekend until last night, because Mikel Antonio mm. is back in the team for the second time, uh, well, the second week in a row, two goals and an assist. Becomes West Ham's record goal scorer of all time. And an early contender for celebration of the season. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> yes. celebration with the Which life side cardboard cut out. Did you watch his interview? Pre planned as well. The, the absolute yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then he said it was from Say the Last Dance, but I thought it was Dirty Dancing. But, you know, maybe that's just. Uh, <laughs> it was quite Dirty Dancing esque. It was a little bit Dirty Dancing esque. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he. Mikel Antonio, star of the week, for, unless you guys want to. No, no, I'm not going to disagree. I don't think we can argue no, that, can we? No. Absolutely. He's, he's been incredible the first two weeks. He has, he has. Um, and then partnering him up front is Romelu Lukaku, back in the Premier League. Um, Arsenal, definitely, definitely know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> goal in his debut, very powerful performance from Rom up top. Um... Yeah, that's our team of the week. It Very was, strong team this week. Lukaku was unreal to watch, to be fair. Mm. I know it's like obviously his first game and stuff. People were saying it as well, but it did look like you're watching Drogba again. Mm. Just the way he was completely manhandling Pablo Mario. He absolutely bullied Mario. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. It was just <laughs> amazing to watch. And I'm just... Yeah, I'm excited. You've never doubted him either, have you, Reese? No, so. I've always been on the side of Lukaku. Mm. I've, on this podcast, if you go back to episodes, I've said, yeah, complete faith that he's going to be a good signing. <laughs> never questioned it once. So, good to say I'm vindicated in my opinions. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Good. That's the tea of the week. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, it's good. I wonder if Mikel Antonio will make it three out of three. We'll get to our fixture previews next week. Uh, uh for next week soon, and see if uh, he's got potential to keep that up. But we'll move swiftly on to some questions from the listeners. So, as I said, if you want to send us a question, do send it in uh, to us on Twitter at gr underscore pod. Or send us an email at goldmathramblepod at gmail.com. Um, Max has got into his friend of the show, um, has got in touch with us via email, very official, um, and said um, he's got a, f- scenario, a scenario proposal for the 2021-2022 season for each of us, for each of our teams, um, and whether we would accept it or not. Um, I'll start with you, Jake. So this is a scenario mm. for Spurs. Um Latara Martinez signs and bags 15 goals in his debut season, which propels, propel, if Jesus Christ, I could read, propels Spurs <laughs> to a guaranteed minimum top five finish. So not top four, top five. However, inspired by ill counsel from his brother, Wormtongue Kane, Harry, <laughs> <laughs> Harry holds out for the entire season. Well, apart from his one, his one substitute appearance against Wolves. And, uh, waiting for City to make a bid that totally overshadows the season with an agonising year-long media circus. So, Martinez signs, bags 15, finishes top five, but Kane and the, Kane the, media, the media circus everything. around Kane is just an absolute nightmare and takes away everything from a good Nuno first season. I would take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think... To have any, whether it's Martinez or not, to have any striker come in and and smash it like that and get as a top five finish that probably a lot of people don't think we will get this year um, would be huge. I think on the Kane side of things, it's already been a circus all summer. Do you know what I mean? It's been not been fun, um, but I feel like we're over the worst of it. The team and Nuno look really like they've got it under control they're very settled they all look very happy um it clearly isn't affecting them i know nuno came out with a quote the other day more related to tongi and Dombele, but about the fact that his job isn't to convince players to play for tottenham it's to prepare players to play for tottenham um they want money or whatever it is then that's not what he's here for he's here to to deal with the people who do want to be here so you know, whatever happens with Kane and Tongi and Dombele, so be it. It's that no player is more important than the club and the team's fortunes, and they all seem to have it under control at the minute. So I would take that. A top five finish, lots of goals from a new striker, and Kane can do what he wants for me. <laughs> all signposts are pointing towards Kane as we talk here a few days removed from the transfer deadline day all signs are pointing towards Kane staying I think um, yeah I saw an interesting thing today about um so I think some journalists were saying how Man City are hoping Levy will change his stance but he doesn't need to he doesn't need to no, he doesn't at all. for what reason would he change his stance yeah. so yeah with this this little time left in the window to find a replacement exactly I can't see it the one thing I would say for maybe and the Spurs in general is if if he has the inkling that Kane will still go 
I guarantee that we've got someone lined up ready to snap straight away if it does happen. Um, Paratici, your Paratici especially will. He'll have got somebody. He'll have. He's he's the kind. I I read an interview with uh, someone who had worked with Paratici at at Juve, and they said the guy is four or five steps ahead all the time. Whatever needs to be done, he's already got it lined up. So if it does happen, I think. I think we've got it covered at the famous last words, but I think we've got something lined up in case. But we'll see. Okay, so you've gone for sign Martinez, finish fifth. Mm-hmm. Kane Circus can put up shop in yeah. town if it wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, Reese, I think either of these situations is going to result in tears for you, but <laughs> um, Chelsea absolutely strolled to the title this year. But Mason Mount becomes something of a squad player following a period of injury which coincides with the remaining Chelsea team going on a ridiculous run of form over the festive period in a new 1-3-1-2-1-2 formation inspired by an eggnog intoxicated Tuchel having a feverish vision dream. <laughs> Mount is prized away next summer for a substantial sum by a totally milquetoast Barcelona team in desperate need of a spark, similar to when they signed Ronaldinho. First of all, Mount and Ronaldinho being uh, alongside one another is just absolutely fair. No, absolutely, yeah, absolutely completely yeah. correct comparison. Yeah. Um, but would you take Chelsea to absolutely stroll the title this year, but Mount being sold in the summer next year? That is such a cruel one. Tears is right, just because Mount is currently my favourite player in the Chelsea squad by some distance. I think he's incredible. But like you said, Jacob, in your answer earlier for the Spurs one, you can't ever put one player above the entire team. And the fact that Mount will have been part of a title-winning campaign would be, you know, a good send-off for him. And if he has to be prized away from him by anyone, I'd rather he go abroad so I haven't got to play him apart from in the Champions League final. You know, um, I think I think I would take that as much as I would miss my boy Mace. Um, I think I would have to, just because we haven't won the title for a few years, and I, I, we're due one. So, <laughs> um, so as difficult as it is, would be to say goodbye to him. I would wave fondly, you know, wave goodbye very very sadly to him, but probably get a Barcelona Mason Mount shirt just for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd have to. Yeah. Oh, a one to... three one two one two formation, by the way. Sounds exciting. Fasc- fascinating, isn't it? I want to I imagine Sil- Silver is dreams. the one uh, behind everyone else. Like the last like playing is like a deep lying Yeah, rope. like the sweeper kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. If I was if I was a Chelsea fan, I don't think I could do that. Not just for one one time. If it was like five consecutive titles, maybe. What's a li- what one player? I don't know, but yeah, but Mason Mount, man. He's... I know, Mason Mount is the boy. I know he's the boy. <sighs> right. But, I mean, if he's Ronaldinho, then, you know. Sh- t- shall I read yours, Nick, by the way? Shall I read yours? You can scenario? do if you want to, yeah. yeah. But you have heard it here first via Max and via Reese and via me that Mason Mount <laughs> is the next Ronaldinho. He so. is. That's a complete. If, if it turns out to be not true, yeah, I've. Something's you, done wrong. It, exactly. No, you're high again, aren't you? Yeah, we'll have to. I've got us two lined up for me in the near future. Um, okay, Nick, your scenario. Yes, go on. Um, Norwich enjoy the surprise of the season and finish in the top half, which leads to a period of joy similar to how Southampton re- returned to the Premier League in 2012. 
However, Farker leaves Manchester United after higher-ups realise that Oli is in fact not a good manager. <laughs> Bonus gamble, Norwich qualify for the Conference League, but Buendia goes on TV and specifically announces <laughs> that he never loved or respected you, Nicholas Steele. And I mean, he name-checks and maybe even doxes you on live TV. <laughs> So, Norwich do well and have a nice Southampton period, but Buendia actively hates you personally. And and Farker leaves. And Farker leaves, yeah. But there's so many parts to this question. Um, You have to wonder whether Farker leaving coincides with the the period of joy, or is that because of Farker leaving? (laughs) No, I think. No, Farker's had an absolute stunner, led Norwich to eighth. (laughs) And there's. um, yeah, there's Man United bound. Um, for some of the reasons I stipulated in my rant earlier, I'm going to say no to this. Um, I would I would rather keep Farker than finish top half this season because there's no guarantee we'll finish top half next season and it'll all be for nothing. Mm. Um, Farker... As I again, as I said, Farker and Weber have this partnership at Norwich where they're not just like the manager and the sporting director, the entire club ethos from board level to janitor is absolutely built and runs through the two of them. Um, and Farker is absolutely influential in, like I said, our business model of find great youth product, get him in the team for three years sell him on like that only worked and has only worked in the last four years because Farker has been here and that's what he's absolutely excels at yeah um so i think it would completely rip up all the good work that has happened in the last four years if Farker were to leave so soon um but it's and, and with no guarantee that we wouldn't finish 20 bottom the season after so i'm going to turn down the dizzying heights of eighth uh, in order to keep Farker and get relegated again. And Why the not? Conference League. Mate. <coughs> oh, so What about the Buendia aspect, Nick? How much um, would that hurt? Was that, was that the reason why say... you declined it? Because Buendia would come out and so, say... Yeah, it was, it was all a front, secretly. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Buendia thing that was... Um, <laughs> if, Buendia ever came, if, I, if Buendia ever came out and said that he had specifically loved or respected me personally... Um, a similar situation to you, Reese. It'd just be pure, pure it tears. Be, pure it would tears. be devastating, wouldn't it? Um, I'd have to block him on Twitter. I'd have to. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Anymore. And I'm sure that mute, and because, mute his name and because so he knew who I was, that would then really affect him. So mm. you know, it's um, swings and roundabouts for Emmy there. <sighs> yeah. No, I can't take this. Mostly because of Farker, but also because. Um, Buendia is a god amongst men, and I and I <laughs> I live now for the sole purpose of gaining his uh, of his his respect going forward in life. Um, thank you to Max for that quest. Those questions I really enjoyed those. I look forward mm. to the next one. Um, yeah, send us a nice, strongly worded email, Max, and we'll we'll get it out on the next one. Um, a question from Sean, who is one of our listeners. Hello, Sean asks. Um. If you could sign, uh, I haven't got the exact wording in front of me, but it's if you could sign one realistic player for your team before the end of the window, who would that player be? Um, Reese. Oh, is it is it Koundé? Yeah, well, I've just seen on Twitter like in the last minutes that apparently we're sending in a final offer for Koundé. Um, 
this evening or something, if Twitter's to be believed, in the region of 70 million euros. Um, and yeah, I think just a third centre-back of kind of the top level would really tie the team up, I suppose. But I think based on the squad we've got, we are also in rumours of signing Saul from, or Saul from... I never know how to pronounce it. Saul or Saul. Yeah. Um, Saul, yeah. I don't know. Um, but he, I've always liked him whenever, whenever I've seen Atletico Madrid play. I think he's quite a good player and he's got some a bit about him and he, he offers a bit more of like the Kovacic style of play from midfield than, you know, Jorginho or Kante. And Tuchel has talk, talked about needing a fourth midfielder um, this season. Um, so I think if I had to pick one realistic one, it would be someone like Saul. Um, we'll just go Saul because kind of... it's like Raul Saul, in, yeah, exactly, in, in, yeah. his, in his honour. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I'd go with Saul um, just to add a bit more legs to the midfield and have a kind of crucial fourth player just to kind of challenge players like Kovacic because I, I think Kovacic is a fabulously you know, talented player. He does does lack a bit of the end product that we like from our midfielders to kind of have that that killer final pass that Saul definitely has you know had for Madrid. He scored plenty of goals. He scored one of the goals of the season a couple of years ago, like mm. one of like the maybe the goal of the year from FIFA or something, which is pretty special. Um, Puskas award, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Puskas, that's the one, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I if between Kunde and Saul, if I just had to pick one. I'd rather assign Saul for this by kind of my by next Tuesday. Yeah. Um, my answer, I don't have a player because, as I said again in earlier in my rant, Norwich shopping transfer markets that I don't even know exist. Um, <laughs> like we've we've signed two players from the Greek Premier League recently. We've been rumored to be after somebody from the Russian Premier League. Recently. You don't watch Panathinaikos on the regular. I don't. No. Oh. Nor A A E K Athens <laughs> or Locomotive Moscow or anybody. No, surprisingly. Um, so I can't give you a name, but I can give you a position, mm-hmm. and that is an all-action box-to-box midfielder to replace what we had in Ollie Skip last season because mm-hmm. uh, we haven't done that yet. The centre midfielders we have brought in are more. Uh, sort of technically based. Gilmore's obviously a very te- technically grounded player, and his his yeah. his 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 big uh, forte is passing the ball and moving the ball. Yeah. Uh, same with Lee Malou, Lise Malou, who we signed from um from Nice. Uh, nice, by the way, in the news this week. Absolute oh my cha- word! Chaos. <laughs> we Watch that it. video. That was we ridiculous. haven't really got time to talk about that, but blimey, that was absolute chaos. That if, if there's not fines and empty stadiums and all yeah, sorts and there, has to, that. there has to be but um yeah so my answer is an obscure box-to-box all-action midfielder from the hungarian premier league go and find <laughs> out big. who that is and now then get back to me but um yeah someone in the mold of ollie skip from hungary <laughs> um jake who uh, who would? What if you get from Poland? Is that you not, not accept that? Just no, hungry, hungry, or bust. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you need at Spurs, Jake? Give us a name. Uh, it's a tricky one. I think there's there's probably two key positions that we we definitely do need, and then another two that we could do with, but probably aren't as desperate for. Um. 
So the the two that we're not as desperate for probably is right back and a centre mid. Um, we've got to be right back, but I only like one of them, and that's Jeffett Tanganga. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Nick. I'd love to see us sign Max Ahrens. He would be a perfect signing for Spurs Keep. at right back. Um, uh, touch wood. I was going to say it was seven days ago. I think Norwich are done with selling. I think you'll keep him this summer, yeah. 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 Um, but he's not a number one choice for signing. Um, so I'm going Dombele. Looks like he's off. He definitely wants to leave. He's made that very clear. Mm. Um, I would love to see us sign Ryan Gravenbeck to replace him Maya. in the centre midfield. It would be brilliant. I've wanted him at Spurs for a good year now. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen either. The two key positions are centre-back and, and striker. Uh, I think we've made no secret of the fact that we are looking at those two positions most prominently. Um, as much as we need another centre-back, I think the one that I would have to go for is striker. I think we are crying out for someone to just either provide cover or competition or replace Harry Kane. Um, we we need to make sure we're not relying on him clearly because he doesn't want to be here that much. Um, Martinez would be fantastic that we discussed just earlier. He he would be perfect, but I can't see that happening. Uh, to be honest, I can't see any of these happening. Um, but <laughs> Martinez would would have been ideal. Uh, Alexander Isak would be great as well. Um, mm. but I don't think he's on the move this summer the player that I would have loved us to have gone for early doors before Dortmund got him is Daniel Malin as well mm. he would have been so perfect um, so in terms of players that I'd like to see as sign they're the people mm. yeah all of them um, it looks like the striker that we will sign is Vlahovic which I'd be very happy it, with Fiorentina uh, um, isn't he Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be happy with that. I'd, I'd take that. But I, I just don't know if he's the kind of player that would push Kane or just be cover. It's Kane such a hard, it's such a hard sell to any incoming player I know. to come and because you need somebody to be good enough, but also mm. be happy to know that play second fiddle. Yeah, thirty second yeah. fiddle. Like it's such a hard sell to any player. That it's that's why I think you've at, at times you've just got to go for it and. And and go for a player like Martinez or whoever, and say, you know, you 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 might not be second fiddle. Come in and prove it. Be the number one. Take over from Kane or whatever. And I think that's probably that's the big problem at the minute is we're not because we're so unsure what's going to happen with with Kane. Like you said, it's a tough sell while he's still there to bring in a, a top top class player. Which is why I think Vlahovic is is still in the the running to be the one that we get because he's probably just the he's right kind of He's young enough as well to think long term that yeah yeah Kane's. I mean, if Kane stays, stays this year, right. he's not. Yeah, next summer he's obviously going to be. I'm guessing yeah. will be gone. Mm. So yeah, I think um, Martinez or Isak in a dream world. Well, I say a dream world. We've been linked, but I think Vlahovic is the one that we need the most yeah. this summer. Good. Um, final quick question before we move on to our previews uh, from Jack, friend of the show. Who's the best footballer out of the three of us? 
Have any of you got any secret, uh, like, Jave in between a classic and a trial at West Ham once? Got any, <laughs> any of those kind of stories? Or? Um, not a trial. However, I do have a quite a fun story about training. Um, so this is going back to uni, where when I could and I had money to spend because of student loans, I finally signed up for kind of betting accounts so I could do football accumulators. And unbeknownst to me, when you signed up for an account with, I think it was Bet365, you were entered into a competition and the competition was to go to a training ground of your choice and train with the players of the Premier League team. Yeah. And I got a phone call one day that I'd won the competition. Really? Uh, yeah. I've, so this I've is... never met anyone who's won any competition yeah. ever. I, I didn't, it was to the point where I, I answered the phone call and I didn't believe it. I thought it was some sort mm. of like, peep, you know, PPI scam or whatever. Mm. And then I, I kind of, I, I thought, oh, I can't, whatever. But I thought, I'd bring them back. But like, is this legit? And they were like, yeah, it's legit. So I, I won it and I got to go. Um, so I've, there's pictures on my Facebook. I might put them on, on Twitter later on today. But I you trained uh, with Ross Turnbull and Flora Maluda um, yeah. at the Chelsea no. training ground at Cobham. Yeah. I was in goal, made a couple of good saves with Turnbull watching on. Turnbull that obviously <laughs> did, he have a, did he have he a was. sweat? Did he have a sweat on? Is he getting nervous? He mm. was in jeans and a shirt, mate. He was just having. He was there for the photo opportunity, and that was it. Um, but yeah, so I think my football history is that I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm. I'm an okay goalkeeper, uh, having been trained by Ross Turnbull. Um, but apart from that, my footballing skill is a uh, very, very limited. Uh, yeah, me, me, and you, Jake. Me and you play five aside or have to mm. pass together fairly together quite regularly. Yeah. I would. I'm humble enough to admit that I think you're probably the better player. Thank you. <laughs> Although I do. I'm think a very. I'm a very dependable player. I would yeah. say. Not flashy. You're. No, you're, no, you're no, like no. The, you, You're what Norwich need. All action. <laughs> you free on Saturday? What, what are you doing? You hop I, over to Absolutely Caribbean, free. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can <laughs> be Hungarian as well if you want me to be. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I. I've always been um, at school. I played left back. For my Sunday league team, I played right back. Yeah, as you said, I don't. I never set a game alight. I, I could never do that. Um, but lots of commitment, lots of passion. Literally, never stop running as well. It's it's that's the key. Pretty weird, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute energy. Yeah, it's it's not even. I'm not even that bit. I just refuse. Maybe to it's stop. all. Re- maybe it's all relative. Like when mm, you're playing with like, myself and yeah. whoever else, where we're like gagging for water after 30 seconds then um i do think out of the two of us though i'm uh i'm more prone to a spectacular goal Mm. as i've seen that heads and volleys oh yeah some cracking overhead uh, overhead volleys yeah unreal if you had to compare yourself to a player you two oh how would you can what would your style be most closely what's that guy you played for southampton as a fraud ali dar <laughs> Ali D. Who's that? You or me? Ali D. Me. <laughs> a fr- absolute fraud. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I guess I'm a bit of a terrier player. Who's a terrier? Alex Torreira. No. 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 <laughs> that. I was. I played. I played right wing for the majority of my uh, young football career, but then. Obviously, I didn't grow past the age of 11. 
I stayed at the same height. So <laughs> I um, I got shifted back to right back eventually in my later the great position. Career. Because I didn't have the pay, because my legs didn't grow, so I didn't have the pace to stay at wing. Um, so I went back to right back. I was like a yeah, fairly sort of dependable right back mm. in my. I think like a, a Gary. I've been compared to Gary Neville before. Yeah, like a sh- very I'll very shit version of Gary Neville. Thank you. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'd probably say the same. Like not, no flash, doesn't do anything. Fairly fairly reliable. I'm not, what am I talking about? I'm not like Gary Neville at all. For, <laughs> um, I don't know. I pick some obscure Norwich right. What about you, years. As a keeper, oh my days! I think I'm I mean, obviously always, Ross. I mean, yeah, Turnbull was a big inspiration for me when I was, you know, training. Um, but I think I'm a better kind of just a pure shot stopper rather than any kind of. I have, the other skills of keeping I really struggle at, like distribution and stuff. I'm not very good at those, but. Just as a body to have in goal, I can stop some shots. So I think maybe someone like, I don't know, who is a good shot stopper? Maybe like Kudachini? Oliver Kahn. Kudachini, maybe <laughs> Yaskalainen might be quite good. Ooh. Yeah, someone who was just yeah. made some good saves, but he was also prone to a massive clanger. That's probably about fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the most boring right back in Premier League history is. So like Phil John O'Shea. John O'Shea like, is a good one. Or Tony Hibbert. Tony Hibbert, yeah. That's me. I'm Tony Hibbert, I'll tell you. Yeah. You're, so, you're, you're definitely a Tony. Thank you. <laughs> um, good. So um, if you do have any questions as for us for any future episodes, as I said, get them into us on Twitter at gr underscore pod. Um, right. This is going to be a long episode, so thank you if you're still with us because we are over an hour into this already. But it's preview time of game week three. I just want to take this opportunity to say, um, call me Liverpool 2005 because the comeback this week in terms of the predictions is blew Istanbul out of the water. Um, um, Recent Jake both started the week on nine points. I started on five points. So by the end of the week, uh, Reese, you were on 11, so only two points. Jake, you were oh. on 14, so only five points gained. And I was on 16, so 11 points gained. To storm into the lead. Um, yes. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. But um, game week three. Uh, starts off um, with a big game. Man City at home <laughs> versus Arsenal on Can't the Saturday on the 12.30 kickoff. Um, it should be an absolute bloodbath. Um, <laughs> Hope so. I've seen... No- I'm not going to ramble about Arsenal for 10 minutes again, I promise. I've seen nothing from Arsenal that suggests that they are remotely prepared to deal with what Man City have um, yeah. in attack. They were defensively so flawed against Chelsea. Um, everybody could see what the game plan was going to be. Get it into Lukaku. Lukaku lay it off out wide. Go for a one-two. Lukaku in the middle. Give the ball back to him. Goal. Like that was so obvious. Obviously, mm-hmm. what the game plan was. Lukaku bullied Mari and Holding into an inch of their lives. Um, so which meant Tierney was having to come across and help out, which left all that room for James to score and. Was it James got the assist as well, or was it? Did, yeah. 
Was it James? No, yeah. James, yeah. Um, which, yeah, gave him the freedom of the Emirates to, to put the ball on a plate for Lukaku. I just don't see any way that Arsenal can have any sort of hope of getting anything from this game, apart from starting Aaron Ramsdale, of course. Um, <laughs> maybe that's where they've been going wrong all this time. Uh, Man City were, admittedly Norwich were god-awful, but Man City were incredible um, on Saturday. Uh, they, hot knife through butter, whatever metaphor you want to use, they were just cut through Norwich with ease. Um, and that was without De Bruyne was was injured, so he didn't even step onto the pitch, and they just oh, blew Norwich away. I, at the minute, I don't see Arsenal as being anything sort of really better than Norwich, if I'm in all honesty. Um, it's Arsenal. I just they're so so bad at the minute, and there's all sorts of rumours of turmoil behind the scenes. That Aubameyang apparently wants to leave, and Arsenal are open to selling him, and. Oh, it's just every day that goes by, I just pop onto Twitter expecting to see another absolute story of chaos. Um, yeah, defensively, Arsenal have conceded. I know, again, they've played Man City, but they've also played Brentford, so you'd expect them to sort of average out, really. But they've conceded the sixth most amounts of shots um, in the league so far, behind or above, whichever way you look at it. Norwich, who've been conceded eight goals so far in two games Leeds, Leicester, Burnley and Spurs surprisingly um, mm. but yeah Arsenal's defence just looks like it's there for the taking they lack creativity and dynamism in midfield as we've said and the front line looks absolutely toothless so 3-0 Man City job done easy peasy uh, Reese, what do you think is going to happen? I, I'm like you, I, I kind of hope for a bloodbath just because I think teams should take advantage of Arsenal while they can. Um, obviously, they, they'll probably start Odegaard, um, and they probably will start Aubameyang, who I know Arsenal look toothless against Chelsea, but when Aubameyang came on, it at least did offer a bit of something up front for them. Um, but that said, I think they're lacking so much everywhere else on the pitch. Um, like, Saka isn't back to full fitness yet. Ben White might miss Man City again because he got covid Mm. Um. Yeah, Tierney got injured against Chelsea. Went off injured, and there's you know he so he might not start or might if he does start might won't be hundred percent. So they're going to be struggling, I think, against Man City even even with their well documented striker issues. Um, on this podcast, I think Man City should and probably will walk over them. I, I'm going to go for a big four nil to Man City. Four nil. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what are you going for? Uh, I completely agree with the sentiments of, of both of you. I think Arsenal are in a real mess. City are on the ascendancy after the win weekend, probably. Hopefully, it'll be a huge one. Um, I just really don't want Arsenal to score. I, I, saw, I, I retweeted a tweet. Well, yeah, ever, ideally, where it was like, um, if Arsenal failed to score against City, they're going to have to pick a goal of the month from like the reserves or something which is really fun um i, th- I think three nil as well yeah i think so it'll be comfortable i know they cre- they created chances against brentford but none of them were clear-cut no. really and they'd created nothing against chelsea i just no they 
they had one shot that tested that tested Mendy, which was a a twenty five yard deflected shot from Saka. Like that was it. So that that's the thing. I can't I can't see where the goal players would come like from, the, then players like Saka and. Saka looks so, sh- and Martinelli, particularly Martinelli, looks so short of confidence oh, God, in themselves. Yeah. Smith Rowe looks like he's the kind of player who's ready to grab the ball by the horns and mm. like try and drag his team with him. But he God, was the like, only he's... one that had anything about him on, on Sunday. But the like, he's one. what? How old is he? 21, 20? He's 21. Yeah. And like, he's played a handful of Premier League games in his career. Like, if that's the person you're turning to to literally drag your entire team with you, then. Good lord, God help! You're in trouble. Yeah. Um, three o'clock kickoffs. Uh, Newcastle are hosting Southampton at three o'clock on Saturday. Reese, what do we have to look forward to here? Yeah. Um. So I did have some praise for Newcastle after the first week. Um. I thought they they didn't look too bad against West Ham. I'm gonna take all of that away after the performance <laughs> the other day. Villa were just were miles ahead of them in every part of the pitch. And I know you could argue the Newcastle were unlucky about the offside they had and that could have been a penalty, but he was offside and it, even though they are the thicker lines, it was still very much an offside decision. And then Steve Bruce had the temerity to claim the handball wasn't a penalty, which was just a <laughs> joke of a complaint from him. Um, they are looking every bit the the danger that I thought they would be in. Um, and they are desperately going to look, uh, look into at this game to get some points against Thampton um, because these are the teams that Newcastle have made a kind of, living out of beating to make them stay in the league for so many years. So they'll be looking to pick up some points here. But on the other side, Southampton, against all the odds, pulled out a very good performance on a side against United, where they, for me, arguably, should have won that game. Um, oh, Armstrong should have scored. Armstrong should have scored yeah. twice. He had one one-on-one that he just bottled, and De Gea made a good save, but he should have scored it. And there was a header not long after that that he, pace, just, yeah. he headed backwards somehow, which was bizarre. Um, but apart from that, I think he looks like a very, very good signing for Thampton. I think he's going to score bags of goals this year. Um, but this is a big game for both sides. I think this is a classic six-pointer uh, down in the bottom of the league there because Newcastle are currently in 18th and Southampton are 13th, and obviously it's two games in the season. Um, so it's going to see, be interesting to see whether Southampton can take forward the good parts of the performance against United and put that into a game against Newcastle. Um, and just a two final points, I thought, Southampton's Liveramento at right back looked excellent. He was man of the match on Saturday and he had, you know, more than deserved that. He was brilliant all game. So he could be a real kind of star for them this year. Southampton got a good knack for kind of bringing up really talented young players. I know they signed him this year from Chelsea, but he's only, what, like 19 years old or something. So he's he's one for the future. Um, But in terms of form, just to kind of be aware of it, Southampton have only won one of the last eight games against Newcastle. Newcastle have won five out of the last eight. So look out for that one. Hopefully Samson can rip up their form book and take a win here. I've gone for a Southampton 2-1 win on this one. I have gone for a 1-0 Southampton win. Adam Armstrong to score against his hometown club. Give the Gallagher mm-hmm. the, the big guns. Because <laughs> um, they let him go. It's the, the Adam Armstrong revenge tour. Um Jake, what are you going for here? I think, I think, like you said, Reese, it's a big game for both teams. Um, I don't think either's going to want. Well, obviously, aren't going to want to lose this one. I, I'm going for a one-one. Okay, 
I did toy with one one, but I went for the mm. yeah. I, I went for the Adam Armstrong. I would. I probably prefer. Yeah. I want. I want Southampton to win, but I can't see either team scoring more than one goal. That's fair. Good. Um, up next we have uh, at three o'clock on Saturday against Brighton versus Everton. Um, we've waxed lyrical about Brighton a lot um, so far, but and deservedly so. Um, they just look so. They played so effort effortlessly at the minute. I know the first half against Burnley was a bit, mm. um, a bit dodgy, but Potter got them in at half time and um, and f- f- mixed it up and made some changes and obviously saw what the issue was and then they came out and won and then they absolutely played Watford off, Watford off the park this last weekend. Um, back at home against uh, again this time round. Um, against an Everton team that uh, I can't really work them out yet. Benitez is historically a very sort of solid manager in the way he sets his teams up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Leeds um, did a good job of sort of breaking through their lines, and particularly Rafina, I think, could have been on the honourable mentions list for Team of the Week. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. he he played really well against them. Uh, Calvert-Lewin is obviously a threat. Um and uh, I don't know. It's such a tricky game to game to call this because my heart wants to go with Brighton because I, I, I'm fully aboard the Brighton hype train. Um, and I said I don't know if I said this earlier, but the way they dominate possession is just um, is just crazy. Uh, they said they're averaging sixty point five percent possession over the two games so far. Um. At home, if you deny Everton the ball, who are traditionally defend not defensive, but um, Benitez is defense first, definitely. Uh, I'm going to go for Brighton. I'm, I, I'm three wins out of three. I'm all aboard. Choo choo. Um, two one Brighton. <laughs> I'm going for. You can tell it's half past eleven. All aboard. Choo choo. <laughs> <laughs> um. Jake, what are you going for here? Brighton hosting Everton. Very, very difficult game. Very difficult game to predict this one. Um, both teams look decent so far. You obviously know how I feel about Brighton at the minute. I'm sitting next to you on that train. I'm going to make a, a train noise, but I'm not sat there. Don't worry. Um, Shoveling coal into the, into the furnace. <laughs> uh, it's a very difficult one. Um, Two one Brighton, yeah. Let's go for it. After all that, he just ended up copying me. Uh, Reese, <laughs> yeah. are you going to copy both of us? I am. I'm torn between either a two one Brighton or a one all draw. And I think just to try and upset the apple cart, I'll go for a one all draw because I think Everton are li- liable to to concede at the minute. Mm. So I think mm. Brighton can threaten them there. But I think definitely going to be an Everton three 0 win now. Probably. I, I think I think when all Brighton have done well so far this year. Good. Um the battle of the well it's not Crystal Palace don't play in Claret Blue, do they? Form of red and blue. Uh <laughs> West Ham versus Crystal Palace at three o'clock on Saturday. Rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. That should be the leading log line in all the newspapers <laughs> on Saturday. Um West Ham hosting Crystal Palace G eight. What do we have to yeah. look forward to? Here? Um We've already spoke about West Ham 
in quite a bit of detail as well. They were arguably the the team of the weekend mm. um, with their win against Leicester on Monday. I think they're going to enjoy a lot of success against the Palace side that just doesn't seem to be able to score at all. Um, last season, this picture was a 1-1 draw and then West Ham won 3-2 at Palace. I think, I think West Ham are just going to be flying um, off the back of the, the results so far this season. Historically, they've They've got the better of Palace 24 times as opposed to Palace's 16 wins. I think, yeah, I think with that West Ham crowd, 3-0 West Ham, I think Antonio's going to bag again probably, so I'm going to put him on a fantasy team. Do it. I'm sure that's part of your well, tip. Well, yeah. Right. Well, well, we'll get to that later. That's a little bit of a, a, a tease for the fantasy mm. corner. If you do that, though, Jake, it's all going to come crashing down. He'll, he'll never score again. Oh, I know it is. The curse, yeah. Uh, Reese, what are you going for here? West Ham Palace. Um, I thought... I, I did actually watch a bit of the Palace. Who did they play against? Um, Brentford. Brentford. Brentford, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I watched a bit of that game at the weekend. Um, and it, it was a very entertaining nil-nil draw. I'll give it that. There were lots of shots on both sides. Nothing kind of too threatening, but they did at least kind of give it a go. And I think, you know, Conor Gallagher looked very actually quite good in midfield Palace. Mm, but, he did. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced by the Vieira project yet. So I'm but like West Ham are flying, so I've gone for a three one West Ham win. Palace off the mark with a goal, but West Ham will see it through. Three Who's gonna score the Palace goal, are we? <sighs> Probably Zaha. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Zaha. <laughs> yeah. Uh I am all the way out on the Vieira project already it's just so they're so lackluster um yeah. they didn't score again tonight um this week in mm. midweek against what did they the not Cup. no it's three games in a row that they haven't scored i did hear a great stat after that um is it the man city one yeah man yeah. city have scored 108 oh, yeah. goals in cup competitions since crystal palace last scored one which is That's insane. insane. Um, it's like one season uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they look. Um, I just, I just think they look devoid of ideas and creativity, mm. which is I think what on one of the is what one of the big um, reports coming out of the um, French press when he signed after his time in uh, at Nice. Um, yeah, they look. They don't look like. Um, unbelievably solid defensively, but they look solid enough. Um, yeah. But going forward, they're ugly. Struggling. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, ugly offensive units, Norwich are hosting Leicester <laughs> uh, in the in another of the three o'clock kickoffs. Um, Again, a tricky game. This is a tricky game to pick because I think Leicester are they're struggling. I that was a good time to to play. Um, mm. They were really fortunate to beat Wolves, um, and yep. they got absolutely pummeled on Monday night. Um, obviously exacerbated by the fact that Perez gets got sent off, but they were playing pretty poorly up to that point already. Mm-hmm. Um, a stat here: they are average. They are the th- averaging the third worst um, in the league on shots per game. 
above only Palace and Southampton. So even Norwich, who have played Liverpool and Man City, are averaging more shots a game than Leicester <laughs> at this point. Um, two seasons in, take it with a pinch of salt, of course. Uh, yeah. Leicester have got defensive injury issues all over the shop. They've got Justin, who's been out long term. Um, they've got Fafana, who's obviously out long term. Vestergaard got injured before the uh, West Ham game. Uh, they've got Castagna, I think, is out as well. Um, yeah, they're pretty dire straits defensively in terms of personnel because yeah. I'm still I'm still not a big believer in the Amati project. Um, no, I don't think he's a, and Evans is sorry out as Johnny Evans is out as well, of course. So it's a good time to play Leicester. They look a bit blunt in going forward as well. Like Madison was again. This might have been impacted by the Perez. Um, sending off but he was completely absent against West Ham I didn't even know that he was sort of playing for the majority of the time um, not as far as Norwich are concerned uh, th- they got absolutely blown away against Man City there's losing and then there's not turning up and even sort of putting an effort Train. in Norwich yeah. were verging towards the latter last weekend um, but um, a big win in midweek against Bournemouth in the Cup, albeit with a change, we made 10, 10 changes to the team. Like you said, Reese, maybe we've been playing the wrong 11, wrong 11 <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the league. Um, but I think that will sort of lift spirits around uh, around the club. Maybe the players didn't need lifting, but particularly in the um, in the, in the the stands at Carrow Road. Might get to see Jolis, our, our new Greek wonder kid, um, make his first Premier League appearance off the back of this, will be, which would be good. Um, the last goal Norwich scored in the Premier League. Uh, oh no, did they score one? No, they scored one goal post lockdown. But our last, our last points in the Premier League, uh, came in February twenty 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 against Leicester at home, where we beat them one nil. And I'm going to go for the same score line here again: a one nil Norwich win. Bit of confidence. Right. Well, we've got to get got to get some points from somewhere. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, I'll go for a one nil win to um to yeah. That's that's what we beat them last time they were here. Uh, Reese, what are you in for here? Similar to you, I think I Leicester are not looking the team that they have been the last couple of years. I think they're really struggling going forward. So I think they are going to score because they tend to always score at least one. But I'm going to go for one all. Um, I think you'll get off the mark with some points, but I think you won't quite have the, the killer touch to win the game, but you'll get a point. So I'm going to one all. Uh, G8, what are you going for here? Um, I don't want to copy you, Nick, but I, I was sat thinking 1 0. I've got it written down. Um, yeah, I think 1 0 Norwich. No, I think I think you'll get the points. Um, I think this win against Bournemouth is huge. I think that's going to lift you massively. And yeah, like we said, Leicester just don't seem to have much going forward at all. I mean, Vardy against West Ham took the ball like five oh, or something. Yeah, he did not have any service at all. Um, yeah, I, I think I think one one nil Norwich. Mm. I hope I hope it does. I hope it does happen. Me too. Yeah. Being it, it, it just another stat about Leicester, they were third in shots for the, going forward, but they're also third worst in um shots conceded as well. They've conceded oh. an average of eighteen shots a game so Jesus. far. Ooh. Um yeah. so they're they are a bit all over the place at the minute. Mm. Um, maybe it's 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 Brendan Rodgers' third season syndrome. Is that a thing? Is that when it all went? It could be for Liverpool. It could be. Is that when it all went to 
proverbial shit for Liverpool. I can't remember. Mm. Maybe Rogers third. I've got uh, my boss is a Leicester fan, and I've got uh, another um, somebody I work with who's a Leicester fan. I was speaking to them, him, um, friend I work with today about Leicester, and he's is still a believer in the Rogers pro- Rogers project, but there's plenty of. It's not as it's not as it not as deep as discontent yet, but there's mm. rumblings of stuff going on in the Leicester fan base at the minute, and well, yeah, need to turn that round asap. Uh, last of the three o'clock kickoffs, Villa are hosting Brentford. Uh, Reese, what's going on here? Yeah, um, better game from Villa. They weren't obviously two nil. Danny Ings is looking the business for them. Um, he's already you know scored what a goal. twice, maybe a few times. That bicycle kick was stunning. <laughs> Um, probably got of the month, month sorted in uh, August, I'd say. Um, but they could they it was the kind of performance they needed after their before their first game loss against Watford. So it's good to see that they got some points on the board. Um, my one question mark about them is where is your boy Buendia at? He's not shown up yet for Villa, and I bought into the hype train on about him. He's in my fantasy team for weeks one and two. And I've now got rid of him. So now yeah. he'll probably start scoring goals. So He's in my team purely out of... Yeah, I refuse to yeah. I refuse to get rid of him. <laughs> out of, yeah, um, pure yeah. ignorance rather than belief at this point. I so, think from what I know, he's just he was injured in pre-season. It's just taken right. a while for him to... Okay. I still... Well, we'll, he's, he's good, I promise. We'll see. We'll see how the Buendia um, project goes. Um, but for Brentford, um, they are yet to concede a goal. Um, they've looked very solid defensively. Um, Palace did threaten every so often, but they didn't look like scoring like we've kind of already talked about. Um, but it was an even game, so a point was a fair result in that game, I think. Um, Brentford need to wake up Ivan Tony, I think. Um, he's not shown kind of the same level of performance that he hit in the championship so far. Some, You know, he does his job. He gets his, kind of moves his body around a bit, but he's not a threat in front of goal yet. And his current uh, pen merchant status is not being challenged by anything else. Um, in the open um, part of the game yet, so I want to see if Tony can get off the mark against Villa. Um, but I can see this being a Villa win, Brentford's first loss, um, just because in the more recent history, um, Brentford haven't beaten Villa since 1953. Um, but caveat, they've only played five times since 1953. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I've gone for a 1-0 Villa win on this one. I've gone for 2 0 to Villa. Buendia, brace, obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously. Jake, what are you going for here? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep back in Brentford. I think one one. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll they'll hold tight. Um another huge game this weekend after City Arsenal is the five thirty kickoff Liverpool are hosting Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Reese, this has got all the makings of an absolute corker, so it inevitably does. it'll be nil nil because that's what always happens. But go yeah, on. Yeah. Well <laughs> Liverpool Chelsea has over the last kind of twenty years, probably since, you know, Mourinho first arrived in England, this has become one of the more exciting modern rivalries, like in the same way as like Liverpool Man U has been for a while. You know, these two teams, the two fan bases especially, they hate playing each other. They hate losing to each other. Um, and in recent terms, Liverpool have had it slightly better, where Liverpool have won two of the last three. But Chelsea, of course, did win the last one 1-0, one uh, thanks to Barcelona's future star, Mason Mount, um, with a lovely goal in in the post-lockdown football last year. 
Um, but in the last 10, it's very even. Chelsea have won four, Liverpool won five with one draw. So this is going to be the game of the season so far. I know it's only three weeks, but this has got the makings of an absolute classic because Liverpool, they are looking like the team they were in 2019. Um, they've got Jota up front, who is a player I don't understand because he doesn't have a set position. He just kind of floats about and does like a, a yeah. Thomas Muller type thing. But he roams around and scores goals all the time. So he's a massive danger man up front. Um, but this is, of course, Liverpool's first proper test this year because they've had so far Norwich and Burnley. Um, and to be fair to Burnley, Burnley did cause them a few troubles, actually, at the weekend. It was a very kind of hard-fought 2-0 win for Liverpool rather than an easy straw in the park. But obviously, the main kind of focus of the game, I think, is going to be on uh, Lukaku versus Van Dijk um, mm. at, up front for Chelsea in, in defence of Liverpool. That is going to be a battle and a clash because when Lukaku was obviously here in um, for Man U and Everton, there there was a bit of a reputation that he had that he didn't do it in the big games against the big teams. And this is these are the kind of games that Chelsea have signed him for to make the difference against the top teams. So whether the post Inter Milan Lukaku can make a difference in these big games is going to be the big kind of tester for him uh, at the weekend. But Chelsea didn't have to play that well against Arsenal. Um, they did what they had to do. They won and they managed the game in the second half. They could have scored five, six, seven goals, which was a similar issue as last year. We created loads but couldn't finish anything off. But then it should have been 3-0 if not for a burnt Leno wonder save from Lukaku diamond header. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's just one of those games. Um, but Lukaku does look like every bit the missing piece of the puzzle that has we've been looking for. Um, after his performance at the weekend. And I think it'd be cu- I'm curious to see what Tuchel plays up front because uh, if I was in control, I would have the same one as Arsenal and have Lukaku, Mount and Havertz. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tuchel does want to play Werner in there. Mm, just, just, because, Werner. just because Werner did cause Liverpool some issues in the 1-0 win Chelsea had last year with his pace. But that was obviously against a team that didn't have Van Dijk in it. So we'll see how that goes. but. It's going to be a very, very interesting game and it could easily be a barnstormer. Um, I think the the way that Klopp has gone about these games in kind of recent years, he tends to try to not lose first, yeah. but he does have a good record in them. But I think if someone can score early, it could be quite a high-scoring game. So I've gone for a conservative two-all draw, but we'll see. I'm, going, I'm nervous for it, though. I'm terrified for this game. I'm going for a 2-1 Liverpool victory. I think they look a lot more like, like you said, 2019 Liverpool, which is terrifying mm. because that yeah. Liverpool was phenomenal. Um, they do look good. Jake, the big figure show, what are you going for? I'm going for the, the typical nil-nil. <laughs> I think we're going to be disappointed by the one hyped up by Sky to yeah. the end and ends up being a, a stalemate. Yeah. Like I say, it's early in the season. No one wants to lose this. It's a huge, huge game for both teams. But then you could see that... it as both teams could see it as a like a, as a set must... your stall out for the season. Yeah. You know? Like we beat Liverpool early doors. This is this is, a, this our, is our year. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I think you're just gonna. I think you're just gonna cancel each other out. Nil nil. I hope uh, I'm wrong. Oh. Reese, we're coming to you again. Three games yes. in a row for um the first of the two games on Sky on Sunday. Burnley versus Leeds United. Yeah. What's going on? Another here? contender for game of the season. Um, you could argue. 
Um, Burnley, like I said um, just now, I think Burnley were hard done by against Liverpool. They had chances. They had a goal to allow to hit the woodwork. Um, they made Liverpool work for the win. So they've got a bit about them, a bit more than I expect them to have. Um, and in Dwight nearly have someone who looks like an actual footballer, which I'm not sure Sean Dyche is completely happy about. But if they can get McNeil on the ball loads, he will create chances because this Leeds team do give up chances. Um, the Liverpool, Liverpool, the Leeds Everton game at the weekend was probably the highlight of the weekend in terms of just end to end football. In that game, there were a ridiculous 34 shots, 17 each as well. It was like the perfect game of football where both teams were just running up and down like basketball, trying to score a goal. Um, but it was kind of the performance that Leeds wanted to have after they got smashed 5-1 in the first game. They needed to kind of to get a bit more kind of life back into the season quickly. And a, a solid, you know, performance against Everton was what they were looking, they kind of really needed, really, just to kind of set themselves back on the right track. Um, so this is a quite a close game, I think, but I can see that Leeds are going to edge it because um, Leeds, Leeds do have historically the kind of edge in their head-to-head where Leeds have won the last three. But then Burnley before that, we did win three of the last four before Leeds won these three. So they're a bit streaky. So we'll see who wins this one. But I've gone for a 2-1 Leeds win. I have gone for a 2-0 Leeds win. Um, Jake, what are you going for? Um... I was really impressed by Burnley against Liverpool. Mm. To be fair, I think they um, they definitely surprised me. Do I think they've got enough to do anything to Leeds? No, is the answer. <laughs> um, two, two nil. No, two one to Leeds. Two one. Two one. Two one to Leeds. Mm. Rafinha's uh, goal, by the way. Excellent, oh. excellent strike there. Brilliant. is a good player. He's one of those players that I don't know why bigger teams don't do this. He's one of those players that in a year or two's time is probably going to earn a move to a sort of Champions League team either here in England or elsewhere. Mm. I don't know why, and for like 80 million or something, I don't know why those teams just don't go and get him and cut out the middleman from like, because it's obviously Mm. like people are trying to do it with like, did it with Haaland when he went to Dortmund. Like, just spend. Man United spent so many, there was so many, so much talk that, oh, Man United are refusing to pay the £30 million release clause from Leipzig or whatever it was. So we'll just do it because you're going to end up having to pay <laughs> triple that in a couple of years. That just, oh, exactly, it absolutely yeah. baffles me. Um, but yeah, Rafinha's really good, was the point I was making there. Um, another two o'clock Sunday kickoff, uh, not on Sky. Um, Jake, it's your boys. Spurs are hosting Watford. Mm. What's going on here? Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is guaranteed that Watford are just going to make me look stupid for what I said about them in episode one, <laughs> and really make me angry this weekend. Um, but no, I'm back in. I'm back in the boys. I think we've we've started strong. Um, I think I do think we'll keep that going, especially in front of the home crowd as well. I think it will be tighter than many people might expect it to be. I think we'll hang on. I think we're going to um, 2-1. 2-1 win. We've got a really good record against Watford, mm. to be fair. Uh, we've No Danny Rose revenge. No Danny Rose revenge. Well, I hope not. Again, I don't want to say it because then it'll probably happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we've we've 
dominated Watford in the in the history of this fixture. Um, mm. thirty one wins against Watford's eight. Oh wow! So yeah, we should we should win. I think we will, but it's it's going to be a tough one. I reckon. Will Harry Kane start? Do you think? I don't know. It depends what's happening behind the scenes. I, I think if, if the move is definitely off, then yeah. If there's a, a, a thought that it there's might still go ahead, then maybe not. In tomorrow's papers. Um, so that's Wednesday's papers as we're recording this. Mm. Um, that he's gone back to Levy and said, sell me or else. I don't know what or else means. Or else what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or else I'll well, train with the reserves. Yeah. I mean it. <laughs> There's been so many, so many rumours going around. Like this last next week is just going to be chaos. There's rumours about Ronaldo, mm. Mbappe, chaos. Gonna be just Apparently chaos. Mbappe has agreed terms with Madrid or something and this Ronaldo is moving to just Man City. City. It's, it's, this week is going to be fucking chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be mad. And, and, and at the end of it, none of them will happen. So no, probably, um, probably not. No. Reese, what's your score prediction for Spurs Watford? Um, yeah, I think to be fair to Spurs, they've looked very solid defensively. Like mm. even though you've conceded lots of shots, you don't look like conceding that many. Even against Man City, like it wasn't as if you were completely under the cosh. You know, it was a very controlled performance. So I've I've mm-hmm. gone for a two nil Spurs win. Son will score twice. I, I prefer that. I I've prefer. also gone for 2 0. I don't remember if I said that or not. I um, think we'll concede a goal soon. And I, I, I just fancy Watford to be the in team. <laughs> uh, and rounding out game week three fixtures, 4 30 on Sunday. Wolves are hosting Man United. Jake, what do we need to mm. look out for here? Um, well, Wolves lost both the games last season against Man United. And they've only scored once in the last five meetings between the two teams. It won't be easy for Man United to break down Wolves. We know what Wolves are like. But I think Man United will want to... They'll be out there to prove that they're not going to trip up against smaller teams, inverted commas, like they did against Southampton. Mm. I think they're going to have to grind it out, but I think we'll see a 1-0 Manchester United win. I'm going for 2-1 to Manchester United. I fancy them to get back to winning ways. I want to see Sancho play from the start. Mm-hmm. As, uh, Martial played fairly decently, um, but I should get Sancho in, the f- in there. First half, he didn't touch the ball. Well, yeah, I thought his, his link-up play was fairly decent. I don't, mm. As a general rule, I don't. I think Martial is grossly uh, outstayed his welcome at Man United. But, um, yeah, I might agree with that. But yeah, but get Sancho in. Um, Reese, final prediction: Wolves yeah. versus United. Well, I think I think Wolves have had a harsh kind of first two games. Like I'm sure you said before recording, Nick, that Wolves have had the most shots of anyone or something in the yeah, first two games. Of the they've season. averaged uh, second. They've averaged 21 shots a game, which is without scoring goals. a goal. That's <laughs> madness. Um, they they were really unlucky against um, Leicester. I think if they're going to rely on Adama Traore to score goals, that's not going to go well for you. Um, Same for Spurs, was, by the way, Jake, if that happens. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've gone it, for if it. it yeah, a bit, a bit like you guys. I've, I'm, man, you are going to want to go out and make a statement after last week's, after the weekend's poor draw against Southampton. I've gone for a 3-1 Man U win. 3-1. Mm. 
Um, good. That's the end of game week three predictions, which of course leaves us to go to what's the official title? Reese's Fantasy Football Corner. That's that the one. Is. Yeah, it was. To close us um, out, what's going on in the world of fantasy football? I'd like to say yeah. just before we start, um, call me Liverpool two thousand and five again because <laughs> I've absolutely <laughs> rocketed. Up, I was about up, up to say, yeah, I was. Um, so first off, it has gone from bad to worse, both myself and Jacob. Um, <laughs> we've fallen to twenty seventh and thirty third respectively. Um, but I have gone big and I've played my wild card this week. Um, so I've changed my pretty much my entire team where I've got a new goalkeeper, a new midfield, new defenders, new strikers. I've changed the whole thing. Um, but like you said, Nick, you have flown up the table to a, a very impressive ninth um, with a solid 81 points this week. So very well played this one. Um, so as, as far as the league goes for the Goldmouth Ramble League, I meant to tweet the link out last week. I'll do it after this episode goes live on Thursday. Um, so at each, in the Champions League places, uh, the top two remain the same. So Turn the Heaton, uh, Sean Alexander is still top with 186 points and Splat FC Sam Platt is second with 176. But we do have two new entrants into our top four. So in third place is the Kai is the Limit, uh, Kieran nice. McWana. Um, yeah, Chelsea fan from Chelsea Twitter. I know him, I know him well. Um, has a very impressive 168 points and... This one, I couldn't work out the pronunciation of the team name, but Santan David McGoldrick. Is that like Santander, but you've added David McGoldrick onto it? Possibly. I don't know. It could be, but Sam Higgins is in fourth place at 161. Um, so those are our Champions League qualifiers. But our highest scorer for game week two was uh, Cheers Sons Crying, uh, Hannah Ryan, uh, with a very good 85 points, led mainly by Reese James, Shimakas, and Laporte. In defence, so a very, very kind of defence wins you championships performance from um, mm. Cheers Sons crying this week. Um, for your top point scorers, uh, the top goalkeeper was two weeks in a row was Hugo Lloris with 11 points after making so many saves against uh, whoever it was they played. Um, Reese James was the best defender with 18 points with a goal and assist in the clean sheet. And then midfield and forwards, you've got West Ham's two golden boys. Uh, ben Rama got 12 points, best midfielder. And our best forward was Antonio, again, second week in a row with 16 points. Oh, so if you've not got Antonio in your team, you are doing something wrong, is my main kind of pickup for this week. Yeah. I would say you've <laughs> got, got him now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you've also got to kind of look at Ben Rama. I think long term, I think he's doing very, very well. And I think if you don't have someone like either Trent Alexander Arnold or even Reese James as like a wing back, fullback option, uh, to get you some kind of clean sheet and assist points. You should be doing that at ASAP. But Ben Rama is probably the pickup of the week just because he's still only worth 6.2 million. So he is a very, very cheap pickup option. If you want to get on the bandwagon now, I would do so before he tr- goes on to new heights. And they're playing Palace this weekend. so <laughs> Yeah, so they could have a field day this yeah. weekend. Good. But there you go. That is our fantasy corner nice update. Well done again. Fantasy football corner. To Sean Alexander Ross retaining his lead at the top of our league. Yes, let's see if like Antonio can make it three out three weeks out of three. Yeah. That is the end of that's all we've got. I say that's all we've got time for. We've been here till the end of time. It feels like it's <laughs> the case. Let's be honest. Uh, but that's all right. As long as you're still here listening with us, then that, that's absolutely fine. Um, 
do follow us on t- Twitter if you don't already. We've still got a competition running there where you can win a football uh, Premier League shirt of your choice by doing some old liking, retweeting and following and stuff. So go to the, our Twitter at gr underscore pod if you aren't already. Um, it's the international break next week. Ooh, everybody's favourite thing. Um, the worst bit of September. Yeah, we... Um, we, if we can organise it in time, we might do something quite interesting and cool with a few of our listeners, which sounds more ominous than it it, it should do. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, if we we we, um, we might put a call out for that. Um, so again, keep an eye on Twitter, uh, and obviously in the next episode, of course, we'll be back. Um, and that deadline day will have happened and we'll break down the ins and outs of what's happened on the last few days of the window but thank you for listening um, if you're still here and of course all that leaves me to do is say thank you to the both of you so thank you Reese. thank you very much pleasure as always and thank you Jake thank you Nick be fun yeah it has always is always is is, as long as we three as long as the three of us think it's fun then exactly that's all that matters good until next time again thanks for listening and we'll see you next thursday for the next episode of the goldmouth ramble podcast bye for now